getting a little bit of feedback or a pop or something. Maybe that's okay. just me. That, whatever you did just there, I think helped out. So, Sorry, folks. If you can't tell, we've had some technical difficulties the last couple of weeks switching back and forth between the various uh, platforms that we have to yes. use. Yes. Um, yes, yes, yes. My friend. Um, it's that time. It's, yeah. uh, dude, it is, uh, you know, uh, you like my there's shade? a lot. Like I like it. You look like you're in a little cubby hole. I am. I'm in my. But yeah. Chelsea I'm thumb sucking cubby hole because of what. I understand. Well, yeah, for sure. Mean. But I mean, I all the other bullshit with it aside, there is a World Cup about to happen. And, you know, that that's always exciting. You know, we can discuss the other socio-political aspects of it and it is a horror but at the end of the day um you know theoretically the best players on the planet are about to gather and decide whose country is the best and i think it's a fairly open tournament i think there are several teams that can win it we're definitely going to get to our predictions a bit later but yeah i'm happy i'm excited we're you know we're less than a week away what are we four days away from kicking off the world cup with the majesty that surely will be Qatar versus Ecuador. <laughs> My friend, I tell you, it, it's it's going to be an interesting World Cup, isn't it? I mean, it's going to be one of those World Cups where you step back and you're like, okay, like you said, in the midst of all of the political stuff going on, all of the atrocities that happened in getting to this point, my hope is that we can is that our, the, the players out on the pitch are able to send a message that, you know what, here's the deal. In spite of, in spite of all of this, we're still going to play for our countries. We're still going to, you know, honor our countries. And you know what? The fact of the matter is, is that screw Qatar, we're here to play. And hopefully that is what, that is what comes through in all of these matches, man. So, you know, best of luck to everybody except guitar. Um, and I just, I hope that they, that, that everybody plays well, man. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. Do you want to get it out of the way now, man? Mm. I think you need to, um, you need to hit that Chelsea till I die chant because I'm dying over here, brother. It is a sad day in 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 Mudville. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, the last three Chelsea matches, um, 
there is a there's a reoccurring theme, and I want to kind of get your opinion on it too. Um, but but let me just say this. I want to take it game by game because I saw things in each game that that did kind of give me a little bit of hope, but I'm scratching my head at a lot of this stuff, okay? Um, and I'm going to need you to kind of help me figure this out because starting with that Arsenal match, right? Starting with that Arsenal match, um, it was a nil to one loss. Um, Arsenal had so many quality chances and and for that match that was a that, that it's always a good thing to have chances it's even a better thing to have quality chances because you know mm-hmm. quality chances will go in for a team like Arsenal um our defense was shaky from the start we we did not look good we kept we kept getting in the way of shots which is great but the fact that they had the space to get shots away mm-hmm. uh, was was incredible. And where the hell was the defense on the score on the goal that that Arsenal scored? It was a corner that touched mm-hmm. nobody. There were a few deflections there, but who? Where is somebody to step in front of it? Tiago Silva, where are you? You know, mm-hmm. I, like like where are you at this point? You do not let that go across the goal. I counted it, Aaron. There were three, three blue shirts right at the front post. This thing was not high. It came in low. Mm-hmm. What in the world were we thinking there? It, it just it looked like we were so out of sync um, that, that second half. And after that, that goal was made, Mindy made some great saves. But after mm-hmm. that goal, it almost was as if they had scored 12 goals against us. Like – you you would think that yeah you would think there was no way for us to come back and it was just one nil it literally was one nil with i think they scored in the 66th minute i'm like anyway that's first game second game manchester city lose two nil um pooley had a, a huge miss early just a huge miss and i think that miss kind of set the tone he he came back and there were several there were a couple of times that he had some really good strikes um keeper made wonderful saves against him uh that set piece by Mares was wonderful i don't i'm not sure anybody could stop that short of jordan pickford in the world cup i mean you know you know how he gets right you know he gets whenever whenever he gets but that was that was a beautiful set piece second goal it was just unfortunate, um, but the Man City player was was at the right place at the right time. Um, we cannot score. We we simply cannot score. Hall is a young guy. I get it. Um, he had a an incredible point blank try and he hit it right at the keeper. Havertz looks like a shell of himself. Couldn't hit the ball. Couldn't hit the bull in the ass with a banjo right now. He, he there's nothing, and it's so frustrating. To see this once again, we were at the Etihad and we were only down two nil. And I get it; it's Man City. I get it. But we had chances that match, and we didn't take advantage of it. And then finally, the Newcastle match—it was almost as if you wrote the intro 
thinking like like in my brain because for me that match Newcastle had some great pace and we kept pace with them but eventually you could see where the two teams separated they just continued this incredible pace this incredible just attacking and it was as if we all of a sudden got back you know got back on our heels um the it was incredible dribbling in the middle to score this goal. It was almost as if they didn't even have to look at each other to score it. Um, dribbled in the middle. Another player came in and struck it immediately. Once again, I'm not sure if – I'm not sure how many keepers could, could stop that goal. It was so good. Here's the thread that I hate that ties all these three games together, and I want to get your opinion on it. When Chelsea, when this team right now, when this team gets behind, they automatically look defeated. Like they look like, I mean, I don't even know how to, how to describe it. They, they look as they, they look like a kid who, you know, a kid on field day that got 12th place in the, you know, the sprints. I mean, it's like, it's like they literally think that they're done. As soon as something bad happens, they're done. I have never in these past three matches, I've not seen anyone short of Connor Gallagher. And at a, a, the, a few times I saw Mason Mount kind of talk to everybody trying to get him up. I've not seen anybody on the pitch, Tiago Silva, Dave, um, you know, uh, I, I just I haven't seen anybody try to get the players up and say, hey, we're only freaking down one goal. Let's go. I've not seen that. The other thread that I see is I you got to come to a point, Graham Potter, where you settle down and you start to play guys consistently. I get that we're right up against the World Cup. I totally understand that. But you're going to have to get us out of this tailspin that we're in by looking at guys and saying, I am trusting you to go out there on a weekly basis, game after game, to establish yourself and stop this roulette wheel of trying to figure out players. You've had time to figure it out. Let's go. We know who we have on our squad. We know who we have. You you are hired as the manager to make sure that you can put all of those pieces together. And so – that's kind of what I'm thinking right now, and maybe I'm just pissed off, but I am so frustrated with this team because you've said it in the past few weeks or past few times we've talked, and I'm and I'm right there with you. This team has talent, and and I'm like, why in the hell aren't we able to put it together? I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Evan had thoughts there, folks. <laughs> um. You know, I, I think you've hit a lot of it on the head. Uh, the reality is that they've not looked good even in games where they've won. Um, you know, they really gave up a truly stupid goal in the first five minutes against uh, Dynamo, Dynamo Zagreb yeah. in that in that Champions League match and really could have been down two a few minutes later. Now, they did get themselves back in the game and eventually won two to one because they're a superior team. But that Arsenal match and that City match, aside from a few opportunities, just got outplayed in every aspect of the game. 
I, yeah. I can't think of anybody who really covered themselves, you know, in, in, in a bit of glory who, you know, could you could say, hey, despite how Chelsea played, we got a lot out of this guy or something like that. Yeah, Mindy made some nice saves, but yeah. take it from me when the most special thing you're talking about after a match is the save David De Gea made that tells you what went on in the match. Right. So I, I, you know, I, I really feel like what I had to say, you know, my sort of my early season discussion about him and and predictions are, are unfortunately, but you know, they're correct. I mean, they've, you, you've aged out some guys that you didn't find replacements for. You've got injuries in key positions that you don't have depth at, and, you know, Bowley decided to come in and change things up. That's fine. It's his team. And, and there are arguments to be made for getting rid of Thomas Tuchel. And I think Graham Potter is a fine manager. But is this I, too I, much for him? Do you think this is too much for him? We will find out over the course of the if, – if he lasts the season, okay? But Ooh, I, wow. I, I think um, – this transfer window is going to be very important um, because not only do you need certain players to do things that you don't have players for for right now, you need to get rid of some guys. There are some guys yeah. walking around right now that yeah. they may not be a you know locker room cancer like we've got going on and have had it going on for the last couple of years, but you can tell they don't care. You can tell they don't want to be there. You can tell that they don't give to the level that they have and it doesn't bother them to not do it. And you, it, it's just as important to get rid of certain players as it is to bring in a certain kind of talent. Yeah. I mean, you, you've yeah. got an aging defense, um, and because of injuries, you now have to play Cesar Azpilicueta on a regular basis. Yeah. yeah. Um, you now have to rely on Kukurea at least for a little bit to be your full-time left back. Um, he's, he was sick last match, so I hope he's right. feeling better. Um, but, I mean, he's not going to the World Cup, so, you know, I don't think he is. So, right. you know, he's somebody who can get a little bit of rest and Potter can work with and say, you know, here, here's what an expectation is. Um, but the reality is you've got four or five guys in Mount Pulisic, Havertz, and uh, Ziyech that really all do the same thing and not really distinguishedly from one another. Uh, I, I would say on form Mason Mount is is the is the best of those four. I think yeah, Christian Pul- Well, I think Christian Pulisic has the the most upside. I think his potential and what he can do is the most impressive. Um, but I, I think Havertz wanted to leave before this season and yep. probably really wants to go now. Ziyech some days is magic and then other days is not. I think uh, both those guys would do well for a move probably back to Germany. Um, you know, I like Raheem Sterling and I think he's, he's a a good buy, but he can't be the guy you're relying on for all your goals. And we've already seen what Obama Yang does when he gets kind of pissy. So there are a lot of players that need to probably get moved on quickly. Um, and then Potter needs to identify some, some young guys that he can count on. You know, he, he needs to see if Connor Gallagher can carry the load for him in midfield. But Jorginho, Kovacic, I mean, you just go down that list, Evan, and they are good players. There's no question, yeah. but they're not a good team right now. And and when it's the case like that, I don't think this team has it in them to gel. I, I think Potter needs to figure something else out. Sure. 
I, I think that once again, let, let's 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 talk about the the big three, right? James, Chilwell, Conte. Hmm. Like if 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 those three are healthy and are playing, I'm I'm not sure we don't at least we don't at least tie Arsenal at home. Because I was gonna say you're less likely to give up a goal. Right. Yeah, well, you're you're less likely to give up a goal with those guys on the field, but the problem still right. remains if you have all three of those guys on the field, you create more opportunities, I think. Yes. But it's who's still the same guys the on the end of them. Yeah. yeah. Who's going to put it in back of the net? So so I think that we we are a a better team with those three. I think that we're we're a team that can compete. I think we still lose that Man City match. Um I think we look better. I think we, I think we draw or win that Newcastle match, even Newcastle match, even away, just with those three because of the creation that they can do, not only in the midfield but also on the wings. I think that eventually some of those balls will go in, or players like James just says, "Hey, I'll just take it myself and they'll just score mm-hmm. it." So, so yes, it's almost like the perfect storm has hit Chelsea. The injury bug has hit. Which, quite frankly, you have to prepare for. I mean, you got to prepare for that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You got to prepare for it. But then, also, we we need a number nine. We need a nine, man. We we've got to have somebody to score goals. And right now, we don't have it. And that's why I said I love Pulisic. I love Captain America. But if you're not going to be able to feature him and allow him to grow as a number nine, I say send him somewhere where he can. And then let's use that money to really go after somebody that can make a difference. Well, on the- P- Pulisic is not a number nine, and no one should be expecting him to turn into that. Um, and and I, I, I hope that's not what Graham Potter is trying to impress upon people because that that's just not the case. You can platoon goals and, and he can maybe be a false nine at times, but if you're actually expecting him to lead your line, then that's crazy. Now I can say this, I know a tall strapping Portuguese man who might need some employment after the first of the year. Hit if you'd that, like to take him, music, my friend. hit it. Come on, let's transition. Let's hear it. You know, yeah. it was nice that the uh, field side mics picked that chant up this weekend as <laughs> United were what appeared to be playing out a draw uh, to to Fulham this weekend. But uh, yeah. the new Wonder Boy yes. popped up yet again. Um, you know, they, they were nine unbeaten. Um, but, uh, you know, similarly to you guys, uh, I would say even in su- some successes, not always looking in full control of the game, but feeling a lot better about, you know, performances. Um, and that, you know, that, that result away to Villa, I think it was eye-opening um, for a lot of reasons, and I think it really reinforced how United need to play which personnel need to be on the field for them to be as successful as possible. Um, And kind of, you know, I I think shook the team a little bit like, Oh, okay. Yeah. We were, we were doing this, but um, any, you know, there will be setbacks. How do they recover? And they recovered by turning around and, you know, the first half, I, 
I don't think it was quite as dire as the pundits make it seem, but there weren't opportunities on goal. But, I mean, United were largely in control of the match if they weren't doing much with it. That second half, six goals. Uh, I think we got four goals inside of 20 minutes, so it was pretty exciting. Uh, and, you know, this Garnacho kid is is the real deal. And, real, you know... Uh, that this is this is what you got to do at at United. You get your opportunity. You got to take it. And um, you know we've got a, a new young kid on the left. He's what Jaden Sancho is supposed to be. He's what Anthony does sometimes. Um, you know, get he gets the ball and he's got an arrogance about him and and he wants to beat you. Uh, and then he can pick a pass or a shot at the end of it. Um, you know, and I I think uh, maybe there are some other players at the club that might be getting a little jealous of that right now. Yeah, man, I tell you, this is a club that is beginning. You, you, were, you were talking about Chelsea. This is a club that Chelsea is a club that just is not gelling, and it does not look they have look like they have the components to even start gelling right now. Man, you is coming together, yeah. and they they look formidable. Um, mm-hmm. You know that Fulham match, and I want to focus on that Fulham match because they very easily could have just been like, okay. Um, they didn't, I mean, right. And, and and I think that that says something about not only the character of the team, but also the character of the manager. Um, I, I think that Ten Hag has, has asked them and now demanded them to, to play their guts out mm-hmm. for you know 90 plus minutes. Give me everything you got. And I guarantee you the results will come. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what we're seeing with Manchester United right yeah. now, man. Yeah. Um, you can you can see before the injury, Varane and Martinez were really getting a good partnership. Um, Lindelof and Martinez, basically anybody paired with Martinez seems to do well because the guy's just, he's the butcher. He just, he's really, really taken to this level of competition. I think he really enjoys it. Um, and it, it just suits him. Malasia has had his up and ups and downs, but we see that when there's competition, you get a much better version of Luke Shaw. Diogo yeah. Dalot is playing at a level that we've not really seen him play until about the last year or so, mainly in Portugal. Um, you know, we now have options in the midfield. We, you know, we're no longer relying on McFred. Um, to do things that are maybe just outside their abilities, but yeah. you know, Fred alongside Casemiro, McTominay alongside Casemiro, Erickson alongside Casemiro. Think of the different options all of that gives you, and then that allows Bruno to push further forward into the attack, and we see how effective that is. You've got a rejuvenated Rashford, a rejuvenated Martial, um, this Garnacho kid, I, and hopefully that motivates Sancho. Elanga has played all right. Anthony's obviously really done well. So um, I, I think it it just kind of even reinforces the fact that we've not even said his name yet. Well, that's where I was going next. You know, how, uh, I mean, this team's better without him. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, that's what I was going to say. I'm like, you know, how much of a factor without him? I mean, we talked about this. We, we talked about this last season mm-hmm. and into this season. It, I can't imagine how freeing that must be for Bruno, for Rashi, for those guys mm-hmm. to be like, okay, look, we don't have to deal with the noise and we can play, we can play ball the way we want to play ball. And, and it's like, 
it's got to have some freeing type of feeling for those guys. And you can see it in their play. You can see it in their play. Well, I, I mean, I, I think it's it's got to make you feel good. You know, in a perfect world, here's what would be going on. Manchester United would be playing this well and, you know, create, you know, looking better, gelling as a team and creating opportunities. And then when the chips were down and you really, really needed something, you had, you would have a guy like Ronaldo, an aging yet still dangerous player coming off the bench, using what the skills he has against tired legs at the end of a match and scoring winners or setting up winners and causing problems. Yeah. That's what we should be talking about because that it, it, if he were more mature, and a, and I hate to say it, a better professional, and that's something that you could always say about him for the, for the longest time was he was a true professional. The guy worked hard. He did his work off the field by himself in addition to, to just playing the game. And all of this now smacks of a guy trying to hang on. Uh, he, he's, he's turning into Brett Favre. Oh, oh, that's a really good comparison. My, minus the, you know, tax fraud. Right. <laughs> Well, although ask the Spanish, I guess he did wasn't double. Yeah, I was like, hey, wait a minute, not too, not too fast. Um, what, what is the switch? Do you think that has to switch in a in a good player's head? Like you know, once again, I'm going to make the comparison. You have an Olivier Giroud who's like, look, I get my I get my job now. I'm the super sub. I come off the bench, use my golden golden foot, and I score goals. La France en What is the switch? in a player's head that has to switch because you can't tell me, I'm sorry. I, I'm not even, a, I'm not even a man you fan, but Cristiano Ronaldo, in my opinion, yes. If you want to talk about him and Messi, that's fine. But, but he is one of the greatest players to ever set foot on the pitch. And you mean to tell me that his, his, his intelligence, whenever it comes to the, the actual science of sports, and how to be a good teammate, you can't tell me that he doesn't have the intelligence to be able to grasp that to, to grasp that concept. Has it been has it been presented to him? Are people scared to say, hey, Cristiano, this is what you need to do? I have to believe that Eric Ten Hag has sat him down and said, This is exactly how I plan to use you. And the only way that you could say there's any sort of disrespect there is if Ten Hag has made promises about minutes and things like that, and he's just not keeping that. That you know, no matter what, Ronaldo. But but that still isn't the issue. You know, I, I think the main problem right now is Cristiano's ego will not let him say it's time to be the guy that comes off the bench, and that's got to be difficult. You would you know, I'd love to have a you know, a conversation with a guy like Ryan Giggs or. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, a, a Vince Carter, um, Ray Allen, guys who prolonged their career by recognizing that they couldn't do some of the things they used to be able to do, but they still had effectiveness. They were able to develop and change their game and contribute in, in other ways. You know, yeah. even toward the end of his career, Shaq would come off the bench and he did, you know, he did Shaq things, but he also had to learn how to do other things. He wasn't getting up and down the court the same way. So I think right. it would be interesting to have a discussion or, or, or read up on, you know, what it took for those people because, you know, I, 
Kobe just decided to walk away from the game. Kobe was not going to be that guy. And I think that might be the issue. I think Cristiano may he he only he's only got a few options left now. Right? Yeah. At this yeah. at this point, no big club is coming in for him. We already saw that during the summer. Well, it's, it's just not, not going to happen. It's not Chelsea Blues, Blues fans. It is not Chelsea. It, sh- it shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be. No. Because you'll be beholden to him as well. And it'll just be a yeah. problem. So yep. if he... It depends on what he cares about. If he wants to go make a bunch of money and not have to work very hard, he can go to Saudi Arabia or China or something like that. Um, if he wants a little bit of competitiveness and to raise his brand recognition, he'd probably come to MLS. That's what but I, I think. I think he'd find it very disappointing. I was going to say, would, would you ever see him in the MLS? And if you did, would Miami... I thought I could see him there a couple years ago, and I'm just not sure about it. I, I think much like Kobe, their intensity won't allow them to be that kind of player. He, he, you know, he, he just it's not in his DNA. And mm-hmm. it, if that's the case, then you have to be mar- smart enough to say, you know what, it's time to walk away from this game. Okay. All right. Well, but he'll, he'll, he'll never be in a Manchester United jersey again, I don't think. Man, man, that's it. Hit you right where he doesn't want you to hit you. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that yep. takes us to halftime. Um, and if you are not familiar with our halftime show, it is very much a show um, to where we we have halftime shots and we um, dedicate our shot to uh, a certain person or cause or place, whatever. Uh, Aaron, why don't you go first, man? What, what are you thinking this week? What is your halftime shot? Uh, well, I'm going to give a shout out to a group of people who, um, you know, they've probably not gotten the recognition that they deserve. Uh, and it was good to see, um, many teams, us men's national team did it, uh, today as well. And that was to honor and recognize, uh, the workers, the, the workers that are still alive in Qatar, uh, and, and show them a bit, a bit of love. They joined the us men's national team for practice and played small games today and, think exchange some gifts and things of that nature. So uh, my shot goes out to those folks. You know, we've talked about it before, and I don't want to belabor the point. It's, you know, it's a a disaster that the World Cup is in Qatar. But the reality is the World Cup is in Qatar. And uh, the least we can do is honor those folks and uh, hopefully, you know, by shining a light on them, make it easier for them to get paid, get their passports back, maybe go back home, or, you know, maybe uh, it'll allow them to to go – elsewhere in the world um and you know take their experience of building stadiums and and dealing with you know an authoritarian government stuff and help spread the word um and and do other uh you know great things in and around the game so my shot goes out to uh all those folks and especially the the people who tragically have lost their lives to bring us a billion dollar sporting event yeah um along the same lines i want to um um, salute the uh, U.S. men's national team. Uh, yes. They have made the decision to um, wear the rainbow crest everywhere except... Well done, Lance. Um, I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. Um, yes, absolutely. Well done, lads. Um, we salute you and to all our LGBTQ plus uh, peoples out there. We love you. Damn right. And uh, that was just, that was quality, guys. That was just mm-hmm. a classy, classy thing to do. So, Very much. Salute Sancha. Oh, 
hit that glorious, glorious chant, my friend. Where is it? Oh no. Do you want me to? Do you want me to cue up the? Uh, That's not it, is it? We need an intern, damn it. Need an intern. It's just too much. Yeah, too many buttons and only one screen, man. Oh, man. Okay, my friend. Here we go. We are talking World Cup, Qatar 2022. What do you think about, first of all, the, the squad, the U.S. men's national team squad? What do you think, man? I, I got two questions. Overall strength of the squad. Mm-hmm. Um, realistically, how far do you think they can go? And then number two, snubs. What? Mm -hmm. are, who are some of the snubs that you're like? WTF, Greg Berhalter. Um. Uh, well, I, I I think to answer the first question, I got to answer the second question first. Um, okay. Okay. So uh, it was a little surprising that um, Zach Steffen didn't go. Uh, Zach Steffen was you know a mainstay throughout qualifying. Was really the guy that. Uh, Burhalter turned to until very late on, uh, when it really became Matt Turner's term through, you know, a, a variety of reasons too. Um, I, I don't think Zach Steffen was going to start. Um, and you know, I was listening, I was listening to, um, uh, one of Tony Miola's shows the other day and, and they were having discussion about how, you know, perhaps um, knowing he wasn't going to be number one and maybe even be number three, um, you know, maybe they had a discussion and it was decided it's best to leave him off for now. That, you know, he's not going to accept that very well. And they talked, you know, very openly about how, you know, Casey Keller did not do well with not being made the outright number one. Um, and, you know, he, he, that caused issues with the team at the, at the time. And, and Friedel offered certain things. Keller offered certain things. Tony was firmly the third choice, but he, you know, he knew, you know, the, the managers at the time and what the expectation was. So he, he accepted it. He, he had his time and he understood. So I, I, I don't think the U S men's national team is weaker to not have Zach Steffen there because I don't believe he was going to play. Um, so into the defense, I, I'm glad to see Tim Ream back. Um, I still don't understand why John Brooks hasn't been in the picture for quite some time, but he hasn't been. So there weren't really too many shocks, you know, especially knowing um, uh, that uh, what Robinson's got the the long term injury, so he wasn't even going to be able to call up. Um, Shaq Moore, I guess, is maybe a bit of a surprise, but uh, I, I like. You know what I see. Cameron Carter Vickers ha has played well for Celtic. It'd be interesting to see how much time he gets because uh, yeah, it's a lot experience. I mean, he got yeah, young guys. I think. Yeah, e even if he's not gonna give you a ton of minutes, uh, his experience goes a long way. Yeah. Uh, in the midfield, I mean, I Acosta has has always been around the Burhalter squad. I don't think that's a surprise. Luca Della Torre is maybe a surprise. But beyond that, I mean, some people are going to complain about Christian Roldan, but I mean, he's been playing well. I think it's up front where people are going to have the most to say. Yeah. Um, you yes. know, I, I, Jesus Ferreira, 
Ricardo Pepe, you know, all, all this discussion. I mean, nobody distinguished themselves. Nobody said, I'm the guy. And therefore, you've got to go back to, to what you know. And, you know, Josh Sargent has been scoring goals. So he gets, you know, he gets to go. Jordan Morris is probably not going to get a lot of minutes, but you know exactly what you get out of him. And if you need high press, he's going to give you that energy. Haji Wright is probably a little bit of a surprise. But again, the discussion has been around these guys. It's about relationships and who plays well together. And you've got Pulisic and, and these other players that have come through with, with Haji. Yeah. So, you know, they're going to G him up. Um, you know, I, I, I think the relative strength of the squad is good. I think they can. I think they should get out of the group. Okay. How they how they finish in the group is really going to be the decider after that. Because let's just share. Well, while while you're sharing, can I throw one more name out there? Jordan. Go for Levi. it. Jordan uh, you know, uh, it, it's it that is was shocking to me. I mean, it's, he's playing it, well right now it's it is absolutely worth asking the question for sure but again he didn't do it for the united states you know Pepe did some things well and he's playing all right but i mean i'm not going to second guess second guess burhalter when none of those guys said this position's mine and he's had to make a decision, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm not going to play armchair quarterback until the guys have had a couple games on the field. And even then, uh, it's speculation at best. But well, what on, needs man. to happen is you're supposed to play. I know, I know. But it's it's this right here that matters the most. If the U.S. can figure okay. out a way to win this group, then they're looking at playing most likely Ecuador or Senegal. And hey, great if Qatar gets through, um, that that's fine. You don't want to run into a Netherlands team that has been building momentum. And if you finish second, that's what's going to happen. You get this right here. So, right. Right. and while we're here, I've got no changes in Group A and B. I, oh, I'm still yeah, yeah. This is where I'm changing. <laughs> okay. See, I I I think Netherlands are definitely going to win the group. Um, yes. and yes. I, I I think Senegal goes. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one, my friend. I, I wanted to I wanted to kind of be friendly with the home nation, but I just don't see I do not see Qatar beating Senegal. I I, I don't know why. Maybe I drank too much that night. That I, I think you were. Uh, I th you know I think it's always hopeful. Um, <laughs> well, uh, you want you want the home nation to get out of the group. It it, it does make a difference, and yes. you know I I saw. What happened in South Africa when they didn't? There was a lot of energy, you know, in the cities. And then once they weren't in it, eh, I mean, they were still excited to be hosting an event, but right. Right. you know, the I, air gets sucked out of the room. So right. if Qatar could advance, that'd be great. I mean, that they're largely, you know, um, you know, foreign-based players. They've got a lot of guys who are North African. Sure. in you know that that have taken up citizenship and things like that but it would still be you know from a small soccer nation standpoint uh, a, a cool thing um you know but that begs that begs the question if they've if they've played that well then huh, do you actually want to run into the home team um but you know it i'm sure england would love it yeah i mean you know and and once again i'm, I'm obviously we're not 
changing, but I, I would say that <laughs> that's my link, weak link, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think I think the rest of our stuff is pretty solid, although you said that you were like, mm, there were some yeah. that you were looking at that maybe you might be wavering on. Yeah, I, I on form right now, I, I think oh. Denmark tops this group and France finishes oh. second. I, I don't think Australia and Tunisia are really going to challenge much, but it's going to come down to who wins this match, I think. And, you know, Denmark's had their number the last couple of times. And then Germany, Japan, I think Spain is probably going to go through. Um, I I, I think the game outside of Germany and Spain, it's going to matter. How does, you know, does Japan match up against somebody? Does Costa Rica cause problems in other matches? You know what I'm saying? But I think think it's probably Germany, Spain. I have Japan now in third. Uh, I'm sticking with Belgium, Croatia, and yeah, I'm uh, Morocco, and I, I'm sticking with that because I, I do like I, I do like the fact mm-hmm. that um, Hakim Ziyech is going to be playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's got uh, something to prove. He'll have a chip on his shoulder for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. So I'm, I'm going to stick with that. I'm, I'm happy with that. And then I, I think probably Switzerland will edge out Serbia here. I, yeah. I think I was high on Serbia at the time because of how they'd played in in hey, uh, the, the qualifiers. Where can I get right? some Serbia to get high? Right? I'm just saying. Right. Um, anyway. Bath salts. And then um, I, I got question marks here. I actually think I, South Korea is going to top this group. Oh, and um, oh. I do. I think South Korea is going to top this group. And I think there's going to be a question mark between I, – I think it's down to Portugal, Uruguay. And oh I don't – I I'm I think there's a question mark as to whether or not Ronaldo uh, is going to be a distraction – to the Portuguese national team. Because, again, Bruno plays better with, with him not around. And maybe – I I certainly don't see the Portuguese manager all of a sudden, you know, taking Ronaldo out of the lineup. But I, but if if they struggle in their first two matches, maybe you say, you know what, we're going to go with the youngsters. Wow. Man, I, I, I'm happy with my Portugal pick, but I think Uruguay yeah. will finish second. second. Um, you know, once again – so I, I think South Korea or Uruguay. I, I just I don't know something. Maybe Suarez will bite somebody. I don't know. Um, ah, who knows? I, I the you look at that roster and it's definitely the last hurrah for a certain generation of players. I mean, sure, this right, is right. this is it for Suarez and Cavani yep. and uh, oh god, I'm I'm spacing on the defender's name, but you know that there's a generation coming in to an end here. Um, yes. Which you could say is true for a lot of these teams, but Uruguay, Darwin Nunez, Darwin Nunez has not yet set himself on a, on a par with Cavani and Suarez, and obviously that's their longevity. But he hasn't demonstrated their abilities just quite yet, and he, and he may still. But uh, if Uruguay is going to go anywhere, it's going to be on the backs of, of Suarez and and Cavani finding some form and, and getting on a run, you know, uh, an homage to Diego Forlan kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I look at this, and I see a wide-open tournament. There are definitely teams that are, are favorites here, but here's what's fun. We could get this we could get this Argentina-Brazil yes. semifinal. Yes. That would that'd be something to see because um, I think they're both going to win their groups, so that puts them into uh, a situation. Um, we could get a Belgium-England semifinal that could be fun um so and uh here's here's what i've got buddy okay so i've got a i've got an 
England Argentina semifinal and a Spain Portugal semifinal. Like after I've thought about it, um, I think that in the finals, check this out. I I'm hoping I am hoping for a Portugal Argentina final. The world deserves a Portugal Argentina final with Argentina winning the World Cup, my friend. I just quickly ran through the bracket again, and I'm not making uh, changes. I have Brazil beating Belgium in the final. Oh, man, that's so good. I, I think that there's so many combinations here. I mm. uh, the, the only reason why I want to see it is obviously Messi, Ronaldo. I want to see. Uh, absolutely. I, I want to see it. I mean, to, to on that stage. Yeah. Oh, man, that would yeah. be awesome. But, if you want to play along, folks, uh, go to FIFA.com. They've got a bracket predictor. I'm sure there are other ones, but it's actually pretty good. It's really it's really fun and easy to fill out. You just click on the team, put them in order, and then it sets the bracket up for you. It's really kind of nice. It's a whole lot better than the ESPN's bracket, I can tell you that. Um, go to our Facebook page because I believe, Aaron, you threw a yes, link there, right? I yeah. did. I did put it out there, uh, and uh, we can uh, see how well everybody is uh, doing. Maybe start a little group. There and uh, and uh, so, get some going. We got a few days, so um, yeah. 21st, we are playing Wales at two. Fifth, <coughs> we are playing England at two, and November 29th, we are playing Iran at two. All of those are at two o'clock start times. I believe mm-hmm. on the 21st, we are going to try and be at Chatham Butler. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. The 25th, you better believe we are going to be Chatham Tap Fishers. Yeah. The 29th, who knows where we're going to be. I will be at Chatham Tap Fishers as well. All right. Well, there you go. There you go. So I can tell you, oh, we'll be doing some some spots. Uh, We'll be doing some back and forths, um, some some pregame, some midgame, some slurry postgame, I'm sure. And, uh, Tune in for all of it. Uh, make sure that you uh, like, subscribe, follow, depending on whatever platform. And uh, if, if it's a poke or use your finger or, like, smack oh, us, I don't know, oh, oh, whatever. It's not, it's not that kind of show, man. Jeez, what's, what are you doing? What is it on OnlyFans? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Is it OnlyFans an ass slap? Oh, Give us an ass. Give it an ass slap on OnlyFans. Ladies and Give, gentlemen, are now coming into don't know no i had to stop it <laughs> i saw what you were doing we are now coming into the last part of our show ladies and gentlemen the hey aaron segment and i've got a good one for you my friend i've got a really good one for you i am going to list i'm actually this is this is world cup stuff and these are world cup cocktails World Cup cocktails, my friend, and you are going to have to name the country. Oh, 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 I like it. Yes, yes, yes. So, you know, obviously we don't have time to do all the countries, so I'll hit some highlights. How's that, my friend? All right, here we go. A Fernet and Coke, a riff on a highball, this signature drink combines bitter Fernet Branca and Coca-Cola. Fernet Branca is often consumed as a digestif or as a shot, but pairs well here with sweet cola. Fernet Branca is nice. It's kind of a classied up Jägermeister. Oh, really? But I'm going to say this is a Belgian cocktail. Oh, 
Argentina, my friend. Argentina. Interesting. Yes. All right. All right. Yes. Did not Good go call. that route. Good call. Right. Good call. I, mean, I see how you went Belgium on that. Um, so hmm. next one. The Geneva. The forefather of gin, this blank Geneva, because it actually says the country, is lies somewhere between a London dry and a lowland scotch. I have. Oh, oh, you've got. Okay, go. go, Yeah. Well, I I've had it. Um, it's it's Yenever the the Dutch the Dutch the Dutch will definitely let you know about it. It's uh, it's it's juniper uh flavoring and Mm -hmm. uh they uh it comes in two distinct classes. It's old or new or old or young. I believe is how they uh make the distinction. And I I found it to be kind of halfway between the sort of smoky whiskey-ish kind of thing and a wow. gin or tequila kind of finish because of the because of the flavor of it it's really quite good and you can get quite popped but yes this is from the netherlands there you go my friend well done well done this next one is one of my favorite drinks of all time i had this because i had a neighbor from this country it is the Caipirinha. Though the ingredients are very similar to a classic daiquiri, the Caipirinha is this country's national drink. Made using cachaça, it has an entirely different flavor profile. This spirit is made from cane juice as opposed to traditional molasses. The they are Caipirinha. delicious. And if oh. you'd known me in 2014, Evan, <laughs> you would have... You would have gotten very, very popped at my house during the Brazil World Cup as we yes. honored the host nation yes. by drinking lots of these. For the record, a caipirinha consists of uh, you take um, simple syrup, yes, and you put it at the bottom of a glass. And then you put a bunch of ice in that glass, and then you fill that up with cachaça and add a little bit of lime. It's pretty much all cachaça. That's that's all you do. That's all you they do. are very. Uh, it, it, it's a crazy drink. It's 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 very very good, but it is very alcoholic, and you will. Yeah, you will find yourself. So why Brazilians are having a good time all the time. Every time you see them. <laughs> Next, my friend, Rakia. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Rakia is a popular fruit brandy. This is gonna give it away. Well. Okay, I'm not even going to say it because you're shaking your head. So it's a popular fruit brandy. Normally served neat, this white brandy is made from grapes, plums, or apricots, or apricots, depending on where you're from. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas-based Dorcol's Distillers is one of the first American distillers to sh- sell their version, Kinsman, made with apricots. What? Um, so I've, re- I- I've heard about this because... Um... Anthony Bourdain had a guy regularly on his show named Zamir, who's oh, Eastern yes. European. I think he's, yes. I think he's Ukrainian. Um, but they went out to a club one night and they drank a lot of rakia, and it was it was a yes. big it was a big thing, and it was a big celebration. Uh, Ukraine is not in the World Cup, neither is Russia. So the closest I'm going to go is Serbia. Ooh, Croatia is 
Croatia. Okay. Hey, Croatia. My choices were Serbia, Poland, and Croatia. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But you were on the right track, my friend. So yeah. I'm going to give you credit for that. I'm going to give you credit for that because of a little Bourdain, credit. The Bourdain reference, my friend. All right. Here you go. This is an easy one. Never go wrong with a Bourdain reference. That's right. Patis, pastis, and water. Though it's perfectly acceptable to drink a provincial rose or champagne to toast this team. One of the more popular summertime drinks in this place is pastis and water. Allez, les bleus. <laughs> Allez, les bleus. C'est français. Yes. Yes, my friend. I wonder how that would taste. I, I, it, it says it's a cousin of absinthe. I've not had it. I've seen it on the shelf, but did not go for it. Okay. All right. How about this? The, in all capital letters, the, who, yeah, no, that's right, the highball. Now its own umbrella term for any spirit mixed with any soda. Highballs are very popular in this country, and just recently. It's a country going through a craft cocktail revolution, not unlike our own. This simple drink is criminally underordered, so whiskey, Club soda and ice. That's what they like. Any thoughts? Can you tell me the website that you're reading this from? Mm, why? Because the description said, like, going through a, a craft cocktail renaissance like we are. So I want to know if we is the United States. Because if it is, then I won't say the United States. Yeah, right. Like, like we are the United States. Yeah, I know. Okay. I, I'm just. Hey, I'm. Don't, don't. Uh, England or Australia? England. No. Oddly enough, Japan, my friend. Japan. Oh, okay. I can believe that. Yeah. 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 Uh, it was. It was shocking to me. Um, I was like, really. Um, huh. couple more. <laughs> Smirnoff, one of the largest brands, is made in Illinois. Grey Goose is from France. Kettle One is from the Netherlands. Absolute and Svetka are Swedish. Tito's is made in a nondescript building off of 183 right right here. This is to give you a hint. In Austin. Whatever yeah. your preference, you have to toast the originators of this, which actually has been credited to two countries. One is not in the World Cup, and one actually shot a missile at this. Into other the other country. <laughs> Poland. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, Poland. Not according not according to their uh, their main news source, in, in which they mocked Poland for getting hit by a, a missile. I, I am why didn't you get out of the way of it, country? <laughs> just side sidestep that shit. Just move. Come on, bob and weave, man, bob and weave. All right, one more. The summertime calls for zippy high acid whites and. <laughs> That's weird. Zippy high acid. Whites. Zippy high acid whites is what you call a fish show, <laughs> especially on the East Coast. Zippy, oh yeah. <laughs> Zippy high acid whites, and this country has you covered. Enter the gas station and bodega all star drink called the Vino Verde, lightly effervescent, and with a mid to high acid content. This wine region from the north of this country produces this solid wine 
for a great price. It is Portugal. called the Vinho. Oh damn! Dude, how do you know this stuff, dude? I swear you are you are you need to you need to just ask you know the Travel Channel. I'm sorry, you need to ask CNN for for Bourdain's job. That's what you need to do. I would love to have Bourdain's job. I don't have anywhere near his charisma, but I would uh, absolutely love to have been uh, even just a crew member and take oh, his shit for man. a while. Been around what him. A, what, a, what a dude, man! What a dude. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us, for going around the world with Aaron, uh, talking about craft cocktail, World Cup cocktails. And so, ladies and gentlemen, as we wrap up tonight, um, Aaron, brother, I love this part because I get to hear you, man. What What is it that you have for our country? You know what we're going through right now. Mm-hmm. You know some of the happenings politically that have happened mm-hmm. the last 24, 48 hours. Um Give us something, man, to hang our hats on this week. What do you got for us in Aaron's final thoughts? Well, the last time we were here, I made no bones about it. I said get out there and vote, and uh, we we had tremendous turnout for a a midterm election. And because of that, uh, and largely because of younger people, um, you know, what normally happens in the midterms did not quite happen. Uh, You know, a a first-term president typically sees losses, great losses at times. and uh, definitely Democrats outperformed expectations. There was no red wave. Um, but as I said you know, previously, the, the takeaway from this is you could look at it and say we're a supremely divided country, and perhaps that's true. Or you could say we're split right down the middle, and that means there's a lot of room for compromise. There's a lot of believing and, and overlap. And I would urge everybody to take this opportunity to reset and say, all right, neither one of us got a mandate. Neither one of us have just this overwhelming support for our ideas or our people. So you know what we need to do? We need to get back to the street, get back to the people, and we need to take these opportunities to talk to one another, listen to one another, and see what common ground we can find. Uh, You know, it's easy for me to be you know, a, a smug Democrat at times when you've got such, you know, noxious characters like like your Boberts and your Marjorie Taylor Greens. But there are people on the other side of the aisle that we can reach out to, extend an olive branch to. Um, you know, we need to find this next generation's, you know, John McCain and Joe Biden and Lindsey Graham trio. You know, yes. for, for whatever Lindsey's become, John's no longer with us and, and Joe's now president. Uh, and has looked in a completely different way because of it. But everybody used to go to those three because they were the level heads and they had yeah. history and an understanding of how this, you know, Congress was supposed to work on our behalf, mm-hmm. right? And I still have some faith that there are people in each party that can find that common ground, can say, let's hop in a car and drive across the country together and hash out some shit along the way. And um, on a larger scale, we have this World Cup coming, and it is the world's game, a beautiful game. And it's an opportunity for us to all look around and say, for all our differences, we're all the same. We want the same things. We want our national team to to have a nice run in the World Cup. We want to play a good game. We want to meet other fans. We want to share their love and joy for this sport. That has brought us together, and I think it 
It's a metaphor. It's an opportunity. But you know what? You may have a chance. You'll find yourself in a bar over the next couple of weeks sitting there and you're talking and you can't help it. Oh, this is going on in Qatar. Or this is going on in Iran or this is going on in, in England. And you strike up a conversation. And what you got to remember is that's another human being sitting there. And they may have some ideas that, that you're not on board with. But uh, short of being a straight-up Nazi, there's plenty of room for us to find common ground. And it can be simple things. And if you start with it being soccer, and both of you hoping Christian Pulisic scores a, a game winner in, in Doha, Qatar, a month from now, it's a start. Yeah. And if you don't take that first step, if you don't reach out, if you don't say hello, if you don't listen to somebody's words and then calmly, respectfully respond, then we won't get anywhere. But here's our opportunity to hit the reset button, right? We didn't qualify four years ago. Here's our chance. It's a crapshoot. Yeah, we're not ranked number one, but everybody's equal before they step onto the field. That's right. So everybody, keep that in mind. Make a friend during the World Cup. Make it somebody who doesn't look or sound like you. That'd be even better, wouldn't it? Mm. Hell, find somebody who doesn't know anything about the World Cup yes. and bring them into this soccer family. Talk yes. to them. Let, them. let them know why it's important. Have a beer with them at the match and sing a song. Put your scarf around their neck and cheer. Yes. And for 90 minutes, lose yourself in this beautiful game. I love yes. you guys. So appreciative of you. Uh, Evan said it before. Uh, we'll be going to Chatham Butler, Chatham Fishers. There's going to be tons of places around town. I'm going to give a shout-out to everybody. Union Jack's going to be having it. Chatham Tap downtown. Pretty much any sports bar worth its salt is going to be have these matches on. Uh, maybe not at 5 a.m. or 8 a.m., but the 11 o'clocks and the 2 o'clocks for sure. And as the tournament progresses, those games will be later anyway. Um, yep. So get out there. Get out your best red and white and blue and um, pretend it's the 4th of July because I believe we believe. I believe that we will win. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us at the Evan and Aaron Show presents the Red and the Blue Soccer Chat. We love everybody. Love you too, bud. Take care.